Welcome to the Vineyard Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information on this podcast or other resources, go to vineyardlive.us. To learn more about us, go to thevineyardchurch.us. Welcome to the vineyard. You ready to do this, tag team? Okay. <laughs> we have a lot of fun working together, and um, so we're going to just take the day and share together. But I'd like to welcome all of you, all of you at Sullivan, Bloomington, online, those of you who watch it two years from now. It might, it might be perfect. It might be what they need. But we are going to begin a brand new series entitled The Family of the Future. If you were at More Love, More Power, a conference we just concluded, that was the title of our conference. It went amazing. Uh, Can you imagine this room, 1,200 people uh, excited about the Lord, ministry, worshiping. It was alive, and uh, our national leader of the vineyard, Phil Strout, was here. He said it's one of the best conferences he's ever been at. He was very happy. It's always good to make the boss happy. Uh, One of the speakers was uh, a guy named Danny Silk. He's written a couple of books you might be aware of. Um, culture of honor and keep your love on last weekend if you missed it in any chance he spoke three different messages and they're still debating around here which of the three was the best now if you want to get caught up on all the stuff happening at the conference everything else uh, we have a, a service around here called vineyard live plus it's a monthly subscription you can sign up and uh, you can catch up on all those things so i think you'd enjoy it i want to share one highlight we've often said that we are advertisements of the future. And in other words, we're what the future of heaven's supposed to look like. Heaven's coming to earth. We're representatives of the future. But Putty illustrated it so well. He said, we're really people who live in the pre- who are of the present but live in the future already. We're in the kingdom and we're out here. We get to bring the righteousness, peace, and joy of the kingdom back here. We get to bring the gifts of the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit. We bring them back so that we can enjoy them, the church family can enjoy them, and so that we can minister to a broken community. And it's, it's so exciting, but that's what the family does. That's why we want to talk about the family of the future. How does it fit? Where do you fit? How do we work together? How's it going to happen? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, you're the best. You created the family, you created the future, you let us live right here, right now, enjoying the future, but we don't understand how it all works, so show us, teach us, Holy Spirit, live big in us, and help us to live this wonderful life right now, right here, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, take yeah. it away. Okay, so, and feel free to interrupt. Oh, I probably will. Yeah, you probably will. <laughs> uh, so we're asking, what is the family of the future? Because family, its definition uh, is, de- is definitely changing in our culture. What is a family? What makes up a family? Who's in a family? And then the challenges of family. Wow, they're unprecedented in many ways. One of which is none other than technology. And of course, it's we're glad people are joining us online. But we've discovered as a church, even people who live in town, oh, they'd rather stay in their pajamas and not gather as a family. So no shame. We're just glad you're with us today. But technology has really uh, impacted the family. 
I mean, when our two-year-old grandchildren, you know, swipe our phone and go directly to the game they want to play, it's like things have changed, right? And I've been reading some fascinating books and articles on this, and uh, one called uh, Alone Together just emphasizes kind of the devastating impact that technology has had on families, even though it's here to stay. We're going to have to learn how to navigate it. But she specifically talks about robots and what robots are doing to change not only industry and manufacturing and medicine. Well, like, didn't you just see, you just told me this morning, what, what yeah. was the article? This just popped up on HAP's news feed it's today. It's a hospital robot gives grandfather end-of-life news, leaving the family outraged. And shows a little picture of a robot here coming in and telling him that he's going to be checking out. The, yeah, so a robot delivered terminal news to this man. You are going to die. No, I don't know how he said it. But, okay, so that's medically. But where I'm concerned is the impact, actually, that robots are having on families. And uh, maybe you're not aware, but now you can get robots, you know, to do your housework. You can have a robot be your nanny, your driver, your pet. And, I mean, really, God forbid... But this is true, your sexual partner. Now, like, this is changing. <laughs> this is changing our lives. Now, in my research, I was very intrigued by one robot named Laundroid. Now, Laundroid is a robot who helps you with your laundry. That got my attention. Um, you know, as a mother of five, they're now all out of the house. But laundry in our house about destroyed our marriage, didn't it? Yeah, you well, were because very happy the house we still live in for over 40 years, the laundry was in a closet. And so, I mean, I would have piles of laundry trying to do it out of a closet. And thankfully, uh, Hap came along with the grand idea, we're going to put an addition on the home, a laundry room, no less. But hey, I was just a few years behind because look what's available now. From Seednoid the humanoid robot to the SoftBank staple Pepper, Japan has had no shortage of robots. But just when you thought you've seen it all. Okay, this is Landroid, the world's first laundry folding robot. So simply you load dried clothes completely randomly. So we've got towels, we've got t-shirts. Right, right, and then close the box. And then simply you turn this dial to 7 o'clock position and it starts folding completely automatically. There are a few cameras and with few multiple robot arms. So it's all AI calculations. And then once it's recognized, then it falls the way it should be. And then you wait for a couple hours and once it's done, you turn the dial to 12 o'clock position. And it's all folded yep. for you. How long does this process take? Uh, it takes a little long time. <laughs> it's about 10 to 15 minutes per item at the time. And by the time we uh, start shipping the product next year, uh, it's going to be about 10 minutes per item. That's pathetic. <laughs> That's pathetic. It takes 10 minutes per item, for real? <laughs> and you know, in case you're interested in ordering one, you can arrange your budget. They're only $16,000. Hap, I think that addition on the home was a really good idea. You know? <laughs> oh, why do I tell you all this? Because actually, robots 
are part of the family of the future, okay? It's not actually God's solution. Because I think in many ways, robots are a very prophetic picture of what is wrong with the family of the future. You know, more isolation, independence, control, individualism. And God's solution for the family of the future is not more robots. It's redeemed relationships, okay? And so we want to look at that uh, today. And specifically, we'll be addressing uh, marriage, but it doesn't just apply to marriage because in the kingdom, you know, we're all in this together. So um, we're going to take a look at that because there are very, very serious problems with the family. I don't have to tell you that. I mean, you might be living in it yourself. You know, whether it's divorce or, you know, single parent families, fatherlessness, just brokenness, families are in trouble. It's well documented. And it is the, the research I've been reading just, again, very sobering. The number one health crisis in America right now is not cancer, it's not heart issues, it's not obesity, it's loneliness. Loneliness is an epidemic and it is a direct byproduct of these splintering families. Uh, Robert Putman, who is a, uh, no relation to our putty, but he's a Harvard social scientist, wrote a great new book called Our Kids. And in there he said, we, we have to begin to tell the truth. We, if we're going to help our neighbors, if we're going to help people mired in the brokenness of our culture, we have to be able to tell them the truth about the irreplaceable role of family. And I'd say, not just tell them, show them. And give them the redemption that Jesus has uh, so freely offered and so painfully acquired for us. So, um, it might sound like things are going to get worse, but uh, most of you have read the end of the story, and we know that's not true because we know who is large and in charge, and his name is Father. And Father is all about family, right? And uh, so he's got this. He has a solution. He already knows what the family of the future looks like. It's already present among us. We have the privilege of reflecting it. Years ago, when we were in the throes of uh, parenting, and I was feeling like a total failure. I mean, how many parents out here have felt like a failure? Yeah, thank you. I see all those hands, and I'm sure at Bloomington and Sullivan, we have. You feel like a failure. Why? Because your kids don't do what you tell them to do. Okay, right? And so, particularly in the ministry, I was feeling the pressure because the scriptures are clear that if you cannot manage your own household, you're not worthy of leading a church or pastoring a church. And we take that seriously. And we're like, but our kids are being disobedient. They're, you know, they're not behaving. And so I was saying to the Lord, I'm sorry. I, I feel like such a failure. And he said something extremely profound. Of course, it's the Lord. I hope it's profound. But it spoke deep into my heart, not, you know, audibly. He said this, die. I am well acquainted with failure as a parent. Now, you have to think about that. God is well acquainted with failure. Why? Because the very first people he creates, Adam and Eve, totally fail. And then just read the Bible. It's one failure after another, right? And we're going to learn, like, okay, what's at the core of that? 
Because the Father's not going to leave us to our own devices. He's going to provide a way for that family to be redeemed, to be that family of the future. Okay, so I'm going to look at God's original design for family. And I'm going to look at this because actually this is a picture of the family of the future. This is what God always had planned, interrupted by sin and a lot of destruction. But God's plan for family is uh, detailed right here in the creation story. Turn my Bible around here, Genesis 1, 26. I'll start there. I'm reading from the New Living. It'll be on the screen also. And it says here, okay, God says, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Wow, that, we could preach 10 sermons on that. Don't uh, overlook the pronouns. God says, let us. Our God is a relational being, one God, three persons, in beautiful, submissive, relational harmony. And we are made in his image. Let us make human beings in our image. The depths of that are incredible. We are made in the image of God to be like us, he says. So let's go on. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God. See how important that is? <laughs> he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, what's important here? Several things. And when you read the creation account, after each uh, creative act, like the sun and the moon, the stars, the animals, the waters, God, it says this, and God saw that it was good. But it's interesting, after he creates Adam, he says something like this. And God says, it is not good. Oh, what's not good? Well, you have to read the rest of the sentence. It is not good that man is alone. Okay, so God has always designed this to be in relationship. So he created male and he created female so that man and woman would not be alone, would be together. And um, I, I love the, the whole text. We don't have time to take it apart today. But God said, I'm going to create for him a helper suitable. And can I just tell you that's been one of the misunderstood uh, texts, misquoted texts, uh, terrible preaching about that text, because it continues to demean woman, to say she's just this little helper. What do you want, honey? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and <laughs> what did he do? <laughs> I need a mirror right here. No. <laughs> what do you want, honey? <laughs> no. no, stick with me here. Stick with me. This is really important. Because, I mean, I don't read Hebrew, but I can read the Hebrew dictionary. The word helper there is azer. Azer. And uh, the, the word uh, suitable. This is, the, this is what it really means. It means... He created woman to be a warrior right by his side. A warrior right by his side. Because they're going to be sent on a mission, not just raising their own family, but demonstrating the image of God to the world. And they better be in this together. Okay, so 
you know, God took, uh, most people think he took a little tiny rib out of Adam, but again, you have to study the Hebrew. He opened up Adam's whole side. I think it's important he opened his side. He didn't take woman from his foot so he could stomp on her. He didn't take woman from his head so woman could rule over him. He took woman from his side so that together, together, they can like go that. on the mission of the kingdom. That's good. I mean, the father is brilliant about this. He really is. And yes, again, I've heard so much bad teaching on this. Probably done some myself long ago. But um, when, you know, people say, well, 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 woman came out of man, that shows you, you know, she is to be subservient to man, subordinate to man. Oh, yes, woman came out of man. But I want you to know since then, every man has come out of a woman. Just saying. Uh, what I love about God's plan is woman is not superior. Woman is not inferior. Woman is created as an equal partner in the image of God for a very important mission. And now I'm going to detail that mission because I will, could stay on that topic a long, long time. Okay, then... That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but you've been a great partner, honey. Well, thank you. Thank you. Great. He has. He's been a great partner. Men, if you don't let your women know they're warriors by your side in a mission to reflect the image of God, because it goes on, then God blessed them. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. Yes, that's the fun part. Fill the earth and govern it. That's kingdom language. That's kingdom language. Okay, this... Yes, obviously he's talking about male-female marriage, but it doesn't exclude single people. We're all made in the image of God. We are all sent to govern, to govern in Jesus' name now to reflect his image wherever we go. So it's a global task. It's a kingdom partnership. Well, no secret, it all got messed up. So God's original design is totally messed up by sin. And we could read that old account in Genesis 3, you're familiar with it, where, of course, it tells us that Eve was deceived. And, again, pretty poor preaching on that. It's often used, well, watch out. The woman is always deceived, right? You can't let her lead anything. You can't let her, like, you know, take any, any kind of, um, you know, prominence in the church community or anything. She's, she's deceived. You want to know something? Yes, she was deceived. Adam wasn't, and he chose to sin. What's worse? They're both <coughs> terrible. It's both. They both were, you know, ultimately disobedient to the will of the Father. And the curse on man, of course, his work was cursed. And uh, now that's been redeemed, but, you know, work was to be hard. And where the enemy took that is men begin to look to and continue to look to work for their significance, for power, for control. And, you know, that's, you know, that's their, their, uh, their, their paradigm. For woman, and I want to zero in on the curse on woman specifically, it, it was this. This was the curse of sin. I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth. And you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. Now, this is a curse. 
This isn't what God wanted. This is a curse. This is the curse of sin. First of all, there's going to be trouble getting pregnant. There's going to be pain in pregnancy. There's going to be barrenness and infertility and all kinds of screwed up stuff in women's reproductive system. And even in giving birth, this is a curse. And then she's going to desire to control her husband. And, and so she's going to manipulate and, and, you know, she's going to connive and she's going to desire, but oh no, the curse is he will rule over you. He will be, he will be in charge. This is a curse. And let me tell you, Satan has done a number in perpetrating this curse all throughout history, all over the world. As we look at the oppression of women, the abuse of women, but I would say likewise, you know, men have suffered from that curse too. It's just, it's totally messed up. It's not God's design at all. And history has unfolded with just devastating effects. I like to picture it this way. This isn't my own picture. It's, you know, from someone else with this umbrella. This is the, the what people say is the divine order. And I say this is the cursed order. And you can replace husband with men men and then wife with women and then children and so that men rule this is called patriarchy and what you see then in the bible are the devastating effects of patriarchy because no sooner do adam and eve sin and have children cain kills abel lot's wife uh, lot's wife turns to a pillar of salt oh he no longer has a wife oh thank you very much his daughters will get him drunk and have sex with him you just read the Bible, see the devastating effects of patriarchy, the devastating effects of this curse as barren woman after barren woman uh, is, is uh, profiled in the Bible. So there's, you know, polygamy, sibling rivalry, you know, women who try to rise up, women who are oppressed, families destroyed. And I'm telling you, it's perpetrated to this day. This is the curse. The good news is that we will look at in a few moments is we are redeemed from the curse. We have a savior who paid a price that this paradigm is no longer in effect. That's news to a lot of people because it's still being preached in a lot of churches and it's being practiced in a lot of families. Hap, just, just calm me down here. Yeah. You, you just take over. Take over. It's a, it's a challenge to live with her. You know, we raised a lot of athletic kids. About 10 years ago, I figured out the athleticism came from her. Today, I just figured out their passion came from her, too. So just I, now? Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what I gave them, but, um, you know, I get to hang around and enjoy it. But God's plan for saving a family isn't a new idea. You know, the whole family in the garden obviously crashed. But God goes right back to family 4,000 years ago and picks a guy named Abraham. And he starts family all over again. Abraham is the father of obviously the Jewish, Israelite people, but he's also the father of all of us who believe, according to the New Testament. So the family starts over in earnest. God's plan to redeem people has always been through family, and that, that's important. God calls Abraham. Abraham has a wife who can't have kids. In fact, he called him from a distant Part of land. Part the curse. Yeah. yeah. So you, you just see this whole thing is kind of an interesting setup if you look at it the way she's outlined it so far. He can't have kids, move to a distant land. All of a sudden, God promised him, I'm going to give you lots of kids. There will be kings and nations come out of you uh, through faith in God, which is what it always takes. 
uh, they end up having a son named Isaac who goes on and has Jacob and many, many descendants. There were millions that came out of Egypt 400 years later, and there's obviously many more millions in the Jewish heritage, and then all believers would be part of that. And it, it is striking to me the parallel between what he's doing building a family of this place with the two of us called from a distant land, a barren wife, you know, lots of descendants. It appears they're just coming out everywhere in our family. We're up to 18 grandkids, so there just seemed to be a fruitfulness. But it's the church and that conference. There could be hundreds of thousands of people already that were influencing. And so I sit there and say, wow. And then the key to Abraham's life was he learned righteousness. The key in this church in the last eight years has been righteousness. When you understand righteousness, it's the game changer. It's the key to families, and it helps us to be citizens of the future living in the present. So it's like, wow, this sounds like a pretty good deal to me. And I think it all revolves around something that happened 2,000 years ago. This isn't a new idea. This has roots. This is what I call ancient future faith. It goes back to the past, but it impacts us today. What happened 2,000 years ago? Well, I think ago? it's interesting that you point this out too, Hap. You're so good on the Old Testament. You're so much better than I am on that. But, you know, God decides to redeem family through a family. Yeah. So he chooses Abram, who becomes Abraham. And like you said, in so many ways, we relate to that, just being, uh, you know, here's Abraham. He gets called away from what he thought his life was going to be and, and, and he's been told you're going to have these descendants but there was one descendant that was prophesied and that of course is our redeemer and he, our redeemer comes through a family okay I mean God loves family and of course in the fullness of time and that was a long time God doesn't seem to be thwarted by that uh, but I wish you had more time to develop the Abraham thing uh, because it's so, so powerful. But the future arrives. You know, Jesus is born. And King Jesus brings with him the rule of God, the kingdom of God. The future invades the presence with Jesus. And Paul tells us in Galatians a really important truth there in Galatians 3 and 4. And he tells the whole story again of Abraham and the you know, the bringing forth of the Redeemer. And he said, Jesus redeems us from the curse. See, that curse is no longer in effect. I don't know, some people haven't gotten that news yet. That curse is no longer in effect. As a matter of fact, the Father paid a pretty big price to set things back in order. That men and women can work side by side as warriors together in the kingdom. That they can be fruitful and multiply and reflect the image of God wherever they go. Redeemed from the curse, the oppression, the patriarchy, the rebellion, the control. All redeemed again to male and female together. Sent to govern in Jesus' name. Whether that's a married couple or a single, it, it doesn't matter. And I always felt sorry for single women when it's preached like, you, you know, uh, I need, you know, happy to cover me uh, for me to, to be, you know, in, in proper order. It's like, well, who's going to cover, cover Valencia? She's not married. Yeah, that's the whole point. Our covering is none other than the Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ. That's the message of redemption. There's only one mediator between God and man. And it's not happy for me. It's Jesus. And it's not me for happy. It's Jesus. 
And that's what is so beautiful about God's family of the future. So Paul says, in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to all of us. And this is so good. Reading in Galatians 3, for you are all children of God, all of us, through faith in Jesus Christ, in our Redeemer, the one who took the curse for us. And all who've been united with Christ, you know, we're joined with him in baptism. We put on Christ like putting on new clothes. We are made righteous. We have a whole new relationship as sons and daughters, a whole new identity as truly righteous in our being. This is even better than Abraham. And we're new creations. Again, the image of God is restored. We now can reflect that together. Now, this is my favorite part of that verse. Galatians 3, 26 says this. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that ethnicity isn't important or gender isn't important or economic. I mean, it doesn't mean it's not important. It's who you are. What it means, it's no longer an obstacle to being a vital, important, dynamic member of the family of God. And that we are all one in Christ. We are united in Christ. We're not the same, but we're united. And so that's the family of the future that we want to model, that everyone is welcome. Everyone has a part. There's no hierarchy. There's no, you know, no, God is large and in charge. And we're all sent to, uh, to, to uh, reflect that image. That, I just want you to know the umbrella has collapsed. It's, it's over. It's done for. <laughs> now, you might ask in the minute that's remaining of our time, <laughs> how do you, just give, give us a picture then how that's lived out a little bit. Let's say in a marriage, because there's a lot of bad teaching in the church about marriage, you know, that, um, you know, happy is to be the head, and it's a misunderstanding of that text, but we don't have time to uh, exegete it right now, that happy is the head of our household, and then here's die, and then here's the kids. Now, I want to propose something that we were introduced to many, many years ago that we've lived, actually, for almost all 48, almost 48 years of our married life. And it's this, the partnership paradigm. And don't, don't try to dissect all the parts here. Happy and I are going to do a Facebook Live on this this week so we can give you more details on it. I just want to introduce it and let Hap talk a minute about it. Because what, the thing I want you to key in on, Happy is not the head of the home. Die is not the head of the home. We have one head of our home, and his name is Jesus Christ. And when Jesus, and, and the same thing applies to our church. Happy is not the head of this church. Putty is not the head of this church. Mike is not. Di is not. Jesus is the head of this church. And that works because all of us are totally, 100%, help us Holy Spirit, submitted to Jesus Christ. And out of submission to Jesus Christ, you can submit one to another. Um, I don't become a man. Hap doesn't become a woman. We have very distinct gifts and personalities and responsibilities. But we are equal. We are equal in the eyes of God. We are together. We are warriors together. So you go ahead. Yeah, this verse has really been, uh, this verse, this picture has been really important for us. It, it comes from a verse in 1 Peter 3, 7. It says, husbands, give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker, and that the context there is physically weaker, 
but she is your equal partner in mm -hmm. God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so that your prayers will not be hindered. And we've just found that when we work equally, in fact, Ecclesiastes says that we have a threefold marriage. Remember, father, uh, not the father, we would say Jesus, die and I, or Jesus, husband, wife. It's interesting, we have a triune God, we have a triune marriage. I never thought of it like that, but that's how it works well. That's why Jesus is the head. When we have trouble, we just wait. If we can't decide what we're supposed to do, even after we've waited and prayed, then I say, look, it's a family issue, you decide. It's a finance issue, uh, we go with our giftings, I'll decide, and we'll support each other. And it, it, just, it has worked so well for so long, it's freeing. That's how we run the church. When the gifted person has something, and we don't know what else to do, we go with the gifted person, okay, rather than the gender. Like, I don't have to make all the rules because I'm, I'm the guy. But it also is really helpful to some men. Some of you men feel like, I've heard wives say, our house would run well if my husband would just get with it. What, what like, would be the spiritual leader, yeah. would, would be the, the, the head. And what we want to say is, no, you're both, a head. You're, you're both submitted to the head. You're both working together. We, we see our life as building a partnership to hear what the Lord wants us to do to make our life fruitful, our descendants fruitful, our church fruitful, our community fruitful, but we're always working back and forth. So we could go into this more detail. We will on that uh, Facebook Live, and there'll be information on, on our uh, website and on the Facebook on when to get yeah. on with it. Yeah, so, so I mean, and, and Hap has been a pioneer in this because he was swimming upstream, you know, 50 years ago with uh, recognizing me as a partner and honoring me as a partner and calling forth my gifts and submitting to those. And, I mean, he's always been pretty easy to submit to. I mean, in many, many ways. He, you know, he handles all the finances. And, you know, when I just having one of those close fits like I have, you know, die, just get out, buy yourself a new outfit. I'm like, okay, I submit. Golly. <laughs> no, he's amazing. He's amazing. Well, it's less painful to have you buy something to me to hear the pain in your life. So <laughs> I, I don't know what to have for dinner tonight. Well, we could eat out. Okay, I submit. <laughs> hey, we so. have our share of fights. We, we, it's taken us a long time to work this through. So listen on Facebook Live this week as we tell you some, you know, not so happy stories. But we want you to know this is the family of the future. Not just in marriage, but in the way that the family of God works together, living in the redemption that Jesus has paid his blood for. Amen. Amen. Well, let me just say, good messages coming. You're not going to want to miss them. And you're going to want to be talking about them for weeks to come. So uh, be here and uh, join the fun. Father, in Jesus' name, you're really good at this stuff. And uh, thanks for giving us a chance to share. Set us free that we could be connected to you. Men and women could be uh, equal at the foot of the cross and just do amazing things with us. Lord, do more than we can ask or imagine. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the message today. To experience more powerful messages, go to vineyardlive.us or join our Vineyard Live Plus community to view conferences, trainings, and special teachings.